I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. All right, so today I have an exciting recovery story and I'm going to let our guest today introduce herself. Hey, Vasu. Hi, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I am good. Happy to be here. Um, it's our I, Thanksgiving episode. It is. It is. We are thankful for a lot. I am thankful for a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I um nice to nice to meet everyone and good to be chatting with you, Rose. Um, uh, me and Rose have been talking now for over a year, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, we just yeah. you know I got diagnosed and you know rose reached out after chatting with my mom and i think i ignored her for the first like three calls because i was just not prepared but um you know then we started talking and uh here we are over a year later it's been a wild ride yeah but a good one. yeah awesome i can't believe it's been a year it has been a really long time yeah yeah, for sure. Well, I'm grateful for you to come on the show. You actually did. So for everybody who listens to the podcast regularly, the artwork for the podcast was done by Vasu and it was pretty awesome in, in terms of uh, your journey. And can you just maybe talk a little bit about that? What made you kind of want to do that? What was the inspiration for that? And then we'll jump into your story. Yeah. So the doing the artwork was super cool because, um, you know, graphic design and photography and things like that is something I've always been into. And I remember a couple of our, you know, first chats, you were like, so what do you do for fun? And I was like, go to bars, hang out with friends, like, you know, not much there. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was kind of like a passion I rediscovered. So that was super cool. And, you know, I based it off of a conversation we had about the past and you know the future um i was kind of struggling at that time with people in my past kind of you know asking questions and wanting to relive these moments that i was trying to move on from and you know you kind of were like hey it's okay like it's okay you need to move forward and so the artwork is kind of you know depicting that through like this bridge of like hey you're on this bridge the past is in the past and then you have like these people who who love you and who care about you waiting for you to get to the other side you know you just need to get there so um yeah, yeah the artwork was really cool and um i was really excited to do that yeah awesome i mean it's such a beautiful depiction and that really leads us to the question of yeah why did you what does what is borderline personality to you what does it mean to you and how did you get diagnosed and yeah we'll answer all of those questions yeah so um i had no idea what bpd was i'd never heard of it truly did not know um i just you know i recognized that I was a little different and I treated, you know, certain situations different, different relationships, just, you know, something was a little weird and different and unique about me, but I just was like, oh, whatever. I'm just a weirdo. I don't know. I don't know what this is. Um, and actually I was dating someone, um, we call him Boston and he was like, Hey, I think you have this thing. And I was like, uh, okay, like, no, oh, no, right. I don't. 
what, what are you even saying? And then I did a little Google search and I was like, okay, maybe I do have this thing. And it was just so crazy because just so many things clicked and it was like the biggest feeling of relief ever. Um, you know, because I was able to take a step back and like, you know, just look back on certain things. And I was like, this is why I acted that way. Or like, this is why I think that way. This is why I get frustrated so easily or why I get so like, you know, you know, cling on to people. So whatever it was, just everything kind of started clicking. And um, then chatting with you, that's when I think I really like started my actual recovery because I was then actually paying attention to things like, you know, recognizing situations in the moment and being like, okay, wait, 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 like, you know, this is a problem. Like, I'm not going to just act like everything's fine, which is what I used to do. You know, I would just convince myself that everything was all good all the time. Like, I'm convinced that if I were like on the Titanic, like I'm talking like Jack, like not like Rose on the Titanic, like Jack on the Titanic (laughs) as it's going down, I have full confidence that I would be able to be like, it's fine. And like, it's, you know, so like getting to the point of being like, okay, it's not fine. And what can I do to make it fine without blowing up my own life and other people's was a huge thing. So I think that was like the first like step to recovery that I embraced and started doing. And that was like a huge, huge thing for sure. And, um, you know, that, and then honestly, just like caring in general, I would say, I mean, like, I gotta say, like, it's exhausting. (laughs) Like, I'm like, you people have been doing this your whole lives. Like, giving uh, you know like just thinking before you speak like thinking about how your words and actions are gonna like affect like i can't believe it i'm like a year and a half in i'm like i'm tired man it's a lot but (laughs) it is yeah i love how i say you people meaning all of the people who are neurotypical basically yeah Yeah. (laughs) it is i know (laughs) good point good point good point um that's great that's great yeah 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 i mean you know it's it's a lot, but once you get there, it's, it's good. And, you know, even I still slip up here and there and I'll say something. I'm like, oh man, that was rude. But at least now I'm like, Hey, I know why I reacted in this way. My bad. And, you know, the people in my life, I'm very blessed to have them in my life and they understand and they accept me for who I am. And so now it's a simple conversation. Whereas before it was, you know, it would turn into a whole ordeal um yeah but yeah, yeah those are this those are a couple of things that you know i would say really jump-started my recovery with bpd for sure yeah those are huge measures of progress knowing that you were someone who avoided things and bpd is a disorder of avoidance right so when you have a disorder of avoidance you would be the person on the titanic or when like the plane is crashing to be like oh we're good i'm fine yeah no really i'm fine Right, Like, you know, and that's part of the problem, because when you do that your whole life up until the point where you hit a rock bottom and need to seek recovery, then you've avoided all these years of of pain. And sometimes that's really intense pain and it explodes and you see it kind of explode in those little pockets. Right. So Mm -hmm. did you want to share a little bit about what you were like before you started you know, recovery and we're like, what, what made you willing? So what were you like before? And then what made you willing to be like, okay, I probably should just talk to Rose. I probably should just make the leap. Yeah. Um, so before, I mean, I, I really 
just kind of like I said, I would ignore situations completely. If something was going wrong, I would just either remove myself from the situation, either physically and or mentally, um, pretend like it wasn't happening. Uh, you know, I would, yeah, I lost a lot of, you know, friendships, relationships and things like that just by doing that alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, when I got diagnosed, it still did take me a while to like actually, you know, chat with you and start doing research and kind of figuring out how I could get better. And I think what jump started that process was just, you know, realizing at the end of the day, like, I mean, my family was always there. I have an amazing family. They will always support me no matter what. And I'm very thankful Mm -hmm. for that. But I mean, I was like, I truly, I lost a lot of people. And I was like, you know what, like now that I have the, you know, I'm set up for success with like, hey, this is what borderline personality disorder is. Here is someone willing to help you. Like, you know, and my friends knew that and they knew I wasn't taking or like, you know, moving in the right direction or taking steps to help myself. It kind of got to the point where they were like, hey, there's only so much we can do. Like, you have to want to help yourself. Like, you know, we'll be here, but like, this is a thing that you got to do. So it got to the point where I was like, hey, you guys are right. You know, I, nothing is going to change. Like, yes, I had this like high on life after I realized I had BPD because I was like, there's an answer. But then everyone's like, now do something about it, you know? So um, I would say like another huge thing was opening up to my friends and my family about it. Like communication is so huge. And I always... I always say like, I wish I found out I had BPD like 20 years ago because maybe I could have, you know, saved myself and other people from a lot of hurt. But at the same time, it's like mental health awareness in general, like 20 years ago was not what it is today. Um, You know, like now me and my friends will be texting and I'll be like, I'm spiraling. And my friends will be like, how bad is it? And I'm like, eh, I'll be okay. <laughs> or I'm like, the tornado sirens are on, call for help. Or I'm like, you know, I told my friend Cobal, I'm like, I need my list of things to do when I'm feeling depressed, which the number one thing on her list is eating cereal at a counter. And I need to talk to her about that because I don't like cereal. Cobal, you owe me a, a new <laughs> list. But, um, you know, it, it's just cool that I am able to like say those things to my friends and they can say it to me also. And like, you know, we're there for each other. Same thing in the workplace. I work at an agency, OKRP, and all I have to say to my boss is like, hey, I need a day. And it's like, yeah. all good. Let us know if you need anything. And that's like amazing. And I think back 20 years ago, I sure as I definitely was not reaching out to my friends being like, SOS, I'm having a crisis. I definitely was not going to my boss being like, I need the day off to focus on my mental health. Like those things, they, that it just comes such a long way. So I, although I, yes, could have, you know, saved myself and others from a lot of hurt if I got diagnosed earlier, I don't know if I still would have gotten help right away, you know? Um, It's just a really different time. I I think maybe a lot of that is because of the pandemic and people having to kind of, you know, sit with themselves and not having like, you know, distractions, like whether it's socializing at work or going out or doing this, going to whatever it is, like 
people had to kind of sit alone with themselves. And I think a lot of people realize like, hey, you know, my mental is not as strong as it was, or maybe there is something I could be doing to like make myself feel better while we're locked in, you know, not being able to be around people. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. I think that the pandemic made life slow down. And when life slowed, slows down and you have difficulty with identity and anxiety and, you know, empty feeling emptiness and depression, it becomes highlighted, right? It's like the focus. Oh, oh what do I do with my time? And if you don't, right, if you're not stable, it comes out. And it's a combination, I think, of that. And maybe also, like, there's a lot of shame, I think, in the diagnosis. When you first hear it, you're like, yeah, there's an answer. And even if you're ready for an answer, I'm sure there's a part of you, well, there's a part of me for sure that's like, well, ugh, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, of all of them, does it have to be that? Give me anything yeah. else, right? You know, but at this, there's the shame. And then also, like, the knowledge about the disorder is still pretty archaic, I'd say. I mean, I still think people don't understand that recovery is possible. I was, like, having a dinner the other night, you know, on the uh, saying what I do. And the woman was like, gosh, it must be, you know, hard to see people, like, just never get better. And I was like, actually, quite, you know, that's not the case at all, actually. I get to see people do well all the time. And you're, you know, an, a, you know, good example of that, an awesome example of that, you know, because you've accepted your temperament. That's how you can be like, hey, guys, guess what? I need, you know, not guess what, but I'm spiraling and I need cereal at the counter because <laughs> instead of being like, oh, I'm shameful, I, I feel shame. I'm going to take this out on myself. I'm going to have this like quiet BPD avoidance, like hurt myself in whatever way I, you know, I feel like I deserve today. I'm going to be like, yeah, this is who I am. And so spiraling means I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm not going to hurt you, but I still want your help because I love you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I like what you said. It, it reminds me of uh, so when I first, you know, got diagnosed, I wasn't running around telling the world, obviously, because I was like, uh, I don't know. So, you know, I told my family, I told my ex-boyfriend um, and then, you know, everyone kind of had similar reaction. Like, are you OK? You know, you're going to be fine. Like here for you. Great. And then I told my friend Libby. And she was like, oh, yeah, like, dude, that totally makes sense. I was like, yeah, you know, and then she made a joke like and I think this was like the first like joke that I had heard yeah. or like someone like kind of like not making light of it, but kind of making me feel like, you know, what, it's OK, like it's all good. Yeah. And she was like, we were like out at a bar and I was going to order a Jack and Coke. And she was like, Vasil, remember remember why we don't drink Jack and Coke? And I was like, yeah, makes me a little psycho. She's like, yeah, when you drink Jack. You're not borderline. You're like, you are the line. You're like over the line. <laughs> and me and her just started cracking up. I was like, that was a terrible joke. It didn't really make sense. But like, it like was the first time that I felt like, you know what? Like, it's okay. Like people that know what this is, like there is hope. It doesn't have to be like this, like, oh my God, I have this thing. It's like, I have this thing. I got to deal with it on the daily, but it's going to be okay. Um, so that was the first conversation I remember where I was kind of like, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to laugh about it. Yeah. It's okay to like, you know, like this is my life. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a huge, to me, that spells acceptance because everyone has a thing, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm sure the friends that you're telling us about, they have their things too. And yeah, it's mm -hmm. not borderline personality disorder. So not to invalidate the severity of the diagnosis, but it's still a thing. And to them, I'm not going to invalidate their perception and say that my diagnosis or your diagnosis is more than that. So when we can stop 
that shame identity or disconnect from the shame identity, then we, you know, we can laugh about it. Yeah, that's really funny. So you're not the line. You're not on the border. You've crossed the line. <laughs> like, well, you're too. way over the line when you drink Jack. I was like, yeah, you are right. Yep. So I did not order a Jack and Coke at that bar. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, that's really huge. And, you know, I think another thing, which is talking to my friends, I think, um, and I'm not going to take credit for this at all, but like, I think them seeing me or like hearing me be open about it kind of gave them the space to do the same thing. You know, like my friend Ali, she's like, Hey, like I grew up with this situation. That's probably why I act like this sometimes. Like, and you know, I never, I'm very, very close with her, but I've never heard her say anything like that. And, you yeah. know, just like, even like, little things like, hey, I know uh, we were supposed to hang out tonight, but like, I just need to sit here on my bed and watch Grey's Anatomy. And I'm like, cool, got it. Whereas normally back in the day would have been like, they would have shown up and been miserable or it would have been a lie or something. We're just, it's just like being honest and, and just recognizing and acknowledging mental health just in general. So yeah, I think that's a really absolutely. great thing. And that's huge. It's so huge because you showed her that through your own vulnerability and acceptance of self and willingness to just disconnect from the shame and be like, yeah, you know, this is me. This is who I am, that she could be who she is. So it takes away the, the sting of it and you can better support her through it. It's really cool. So the opposite of recovery is having the vulnerability walls up, not communicating, not telling anybody how you're feeling, assuming that no one will ever understand you. Nothing will ever get better and carrying that shame. So people often ask me, what, how did, how do you get through the shame? So do you have, I didn't, I didn't uh, write this in our pre-questions, but now that we're talking about it, do you have any tips for people? I mean, I know you have a strong support system. So for, you know, listeners out there, that is key. If you have friends, letting them help you is a big deal. That really helps Sue in her recovery. How mm -hmm. did you get through the shame? Um, I mean, I think a lot of it was, first of all, doing my own research and kind of really understanding how it affects, because it, you know, BPD, whatever it is, affects everyone in a different way and you're affected by it in a different way. Um, so I think really understanding about myself and BPD. Um, and yeah. then, you know, just honestly being like coming to terms with the fact that, like, hey, we do things a little different. We think a little different. We act a little different. Uh, and just, just, just a little. Um, <laughs> and honestly, like being, I came to a point where I was like proud of it because, you know, it's a lot. Like, I'm like, I don't think other people understand how much time and energy it takes to, you know, get through a, a day, an hour depending on yeah whatever you're whatever is happening in your life um and so i think once you like get to the point of like this is not a shameful thing this is just like i'm a strong person like i go through every day like thinking twice as many things and making sure i'm not do you know lighting someone's life up on fire because it was so easy for me to do back in the day it takes a lot to not do that so you know, getting to the point yeah. where, you know, be proud, like be proud that like you're still living life, doing your thing with mm -hmm. 
way more weight on your shoulders, you know? And I think like that was a huge moment for me where I was like, I got this and I'm proud. I'm proud that I'm here doing it, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because the pride that you experience erases some of that shame from the past, right? I mean, you, you yeah. are doing it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there there was also a time where, you know, I would think back on things from the past a lot and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Or I was having people, exes in particular, be like, why did you say that one thing that one time? Or like, why did you act mm -hmm. this way when I did this? And I was trying to, like, find answers. And I finally got to the point where I was like, I don't know. Like, I do not know what was going through my mind at that time. And I apologize for hurting you. But like, I have to move forward. And if you can't move forward with me in the words of my friend Allie, bye now. Because like, I got to keep moving. I got to keep it moving. Um, and so, you know, recognizing the people that are going to be there for you and that you can talk to and feel, you know, proud for your you know, how far you've come. Um, if they're, if you're still feeling shame around people after a certain amount of time, like maybe you reevaluate your relationships. Like I had to do that with some people. It was, it was tough for yeah. sure. But at the end of the day, you know, you gotta, gotta keep it moving. You absolutely do. You have to, and which, you know, I would say is like the moral compass value of forgiveness. You know, you have to be willing to forgive yourself and to let go and keep it moving. And then the people around you can't keep asking you why. If you knew why, <laughs> you would have not done it in the past. I mean, you know why now. And all you can really do is kind of hang your head, say you're sorry, and keep mm -hmm. trying, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's huge. Did you want to speak a little bit about like medication? Did you take medication in your journey? Is that something that, you know, you recommend for people? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um. So back in the day, like for sophomore year of college, I um, got diagnosed with general anxiety disorder and panic disorder. And so mm -hmm. I think I tried Prozac for about a year. Going to be honest, didn't do too much for me. Um, mm -hmm. however, I had a friend who was bipolar and she went through a bunch of different medications. It was pretty rough road, but she finally found a medication that worked for her and it absolutely changed her life in the best way. So I've seen, you know, both sides of it. Um, I take Xanax for mostly for claustrophobia, cannot fly without mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah. and for my panic attacks, but in general, I honestly, since I've started consistently like talking to you and like having like people in my life that I can talk to, my panic attacks have gone down significantly, um, as has my Xanax usage, which is good because when I take my Xanax, I revert back a little to the, I don't care, Basugupta circa 20 yeah. and all those other years before that. Um, so, you know, I think <laughs> in, in moderation, it's like all good. But again, like I have seen, you know, SSRIs and things like that work for people. Like I don't, I say give it a shot, but also like be able to recognize how it's changing and affecting your mental, your physical, all of those things. Because sometimes it's very subtle, um, but you know, just I think that would be my advice on that. Yeah, no, that's good advice for sure. It's not a no, it's a, you know, I know 
well, in earlier episodes, I've said, like, I'm against having multiple different medications. And I still hold true to that. But, you know, it is important to know that it has its place as long as you're aware and self-aware enough to know how it's impacting your body, your symptoms, you know, and knowing that if it doesn't work, you have the right in your own to be your own advocate and to, you know, find the doctor that's going to work with you and treat the symptoms that are really distressing for you. And as you proceed in recovery, like you said, some medications you won't need to take as much just because being someone who is more confident and know like you know how much like you said it takes to be around neurotypical people in a day and like do it well it's exhausting so once you can master something like that and you can do it you know even for pockets of time working on that consistency then your confidence increases i mean you're like yeah i can do that i can do a lot of other really hard things too right yeah exactly yeah, yeah, cool. So that's good. Like medication wasn't a must in your in your recovery process. No, it no. really wasn't. And I think even with like the Xanax, it's like I'll always have it on me just in case. But having it on me just as like a security blanket, I don't even have to take it. But knowing that worst case, if I have the worst panic attack ever, it's there. That's like enough to kind of calm me if I'm in kind of an anxious situation. But again, like back in the day, Xanax is all I had because I wasn't talking to my friends. I wasn't talking to my family about it. I would just like, you know, try to find other ways to deal with it. And Xanax was one of those ways. So now that I have like the support and the, you know, confidence to, to let people know like, hey, I'm going through it right now. I don't need it as much. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely a balance and it takes time for sure. But it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. So tell me about your, what is the best part of recovery? The thing that you feel like, you know, if you, you would go back and do all the hard work all over again, and that's the hope that you've clung to, even if there's um, more than one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely think there's lots of things, but um, I think the main thing is just like, I'm still myself, like I still am the same person, you know, my personality is the same, like, I'm still Vasu, I just deal with things now, and I don't push them to the side, and I, I feel things, and I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a cool thing, like, I've been able to, like, relate to people on such deeper levels, you know, my family, my friends, relationships, Coworker, whatever it is, um, because I allow myself to. Like I allow, like I used to. If someone was crying around me, I would be like, "Oh my god, don't even look at me!" Like I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> but now I'm like, now I'm like, what's wrong? Like maybe I can, you know, I'm not scared to like um, interact with emotions and other people's yeah. emotions, and that's been huge for me because before I would literally just be like, I don't even, don't even, like I don't even want to know. Um, so that's been like a huge thing. And um, yeah. honestly, just like meeting people and having people kind of ask me questions about BPD and like, you know, kind of what we're talking through right now and people being like, I think I, you know, need to start seeing a therapist. Like, I really do like think it would be beneficial, like because I talk a lot about how it's changed my life. And I have seen like family members, friends like seek therapy and they're like, oh my God, I feel so much better. I feel like I can breathe again and like things like that. 
that's been huge too. Because back in the day when people would be like, you should see a therapist, I was like, okay, I don't need, like, please <laughs> mind your own business. But now, like, yeah. I'm that person. But again, like, you know, like I said earlier, we're in a way different place with mental health awareness in general. So people are willing to, like, seek help and talk to someone and be open about it. So just to see, like, the full, like, 360 of, like, my friends, my family, the world's work things everyone just kind of like coming to a better mutual understanding while I've been going through my own personal journey. It's just been a nice, a nice overall, I don't even know what the word would be to describe it, but just overall, it's been a great experience and a great, great, just great to see everyone growing, I think, together as I grow myself. Yeah. For sure. I mean, that's a huge benefit. And I, you know, it's, I love the way that you have learned to speak about recovery because you don't necessarily negate the fact that borderline personality disorder was a part of you, but the way that you talk about yourself and maybe you don't even realize it is that you're like, yeah, I, I was always the person I am now, but I'm not, you know, like the way I say it is I'm not disordered. So I can have this personality that's intense. I can be open about the fact that it was a disorder and I can continue moving through it and be communicative so I can connect with people more, which right, really isn't the disorder anymore, but you're keeping it not in a way that you're wearing it as an identity, but in a way that you can use it for advocacy, for education, for connection. I mean, that's beautiful. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. 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 You're welcome. <laughs> so what would you say um, the hardest? What's something right now in your recovery journey that's the most challenging? Uh, probably dating. Yeah. Um, because I've had a lot of not great relationships in the past. And so like I'm, I've been trying to do better at just kind of realizing what I need in a relationship um and sticking to that and then also i mean that's a whole other ball game like dating yeah. is like it's so hard like i'm actually trying now like before i'd be like whatever this isn't gonna work out anyway so let's just have fun time and you know see you when i see you but mm -hmm. now i'm like trying and i'm like oh my god this is exhausting again i'm like i'm so tired <laughs> because <laughs> it's just like it's a lot and it's like just a yeah. lot to like you know like where do I want to be in 10 years having to think actually about the future you know that's something I never did before yeah. you know I just kind of was going with the flow but now I'm like no no like I don't want to waste another year with someone that I don't see myself with for you know in my future so that's been a whole other thing I'd say yeah. And you have yeah. talked about that. So you, you're aware. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's why, you know, I'm really glad that you were able to share that because it is, that's hard. You know, you get to the point where you're like, okay, mm -hmm. this is what it is. This is BPD. Now I have to figure out how to be around all these neurotypical people and not hurt them on myself. Now I have to figure out how to control my emotions and I have to communicate and I have to get rid of the shame. And now I have to date. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And not only do I have to date, but I have to think about what person would be the right person for me, which is a lot of work for someone who is, you know, used to flying by the seat of their pants and being intense. So you have to think what character traits match my character traits. You have to like evaluate, think big picture. It's hard. 
Yeah, it's I can't hard. Be, I can't be like, wow, that guy riding down the street with this on a skateboard with a bunch of tattoos. I'm gonna date him. Like I'm like, wow. you know, does he have a job? Does he? Is he a good person? Does he have a home? Like what <laughs> all these things that I never used to even consider before, which I should have been, but like, you know, didn't care. Now it's just so many layers, lots of layers. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. many layers. And it's, you know, not even about the other person's character at the end of the day. It's being able to look in the mirror and go like, I deserve to have mm -hmm. a life where I've dreamt of what I want. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. that's hard. It's very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think when we first started talking, you're like, do you want to get married? Or like, and I was like, nah, I like maybe like who knows, but probably not. And now I'm like, yeah, I want a family, you know? Yeah. And again, I'm, you know, we'll see what happens. But now that I've, you know, I see a future, my future and what that looks like or what I want that to look like, it's a lot more to think about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such a common thing for people at first to be like, no, I don't want a relationship. Most of the people that I work with in the very beginning and myself included, we all want to be vagabonds. That's it. Like we just want to travel, do whatever we want, not be tied down, like all that whole storyline. And that's because of that shame, right? A lot of it, not everyone, right? But most people feel that way because they don't want to really admit, yeah, like I'm too scared to you know, find somebody because they might leave me or I'm too scared to even dream of what I would want in my life. So it's huge that you're able to do that. And recovery and life in general is an uphill battle. So it doesn't just end, you know, after you record a podcast episode or after you work with me for a year or whatever it, you know, it's an ongoing battle that you have to fight every day to make sure that you stay true to the struggle and keep trying and sustain that cognitive effort over time because it gives you the best reward right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's huge. So do you have any advice for anyone out there struggling or anything that helped you along the way that you want to share? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I kind of touched on this earlier, but, you know, I think you, when I'm in a tough, tough spot right now, um, or if I'm struggling with something really that's, you know, really messing me up, something that helps is like, I'll think back I'm like, wow, if this was a year ago, I would have handled this so, so much differently. So that always helps me because I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing better than that. So yeah, it's okay. Good. And, um, you know, I think another huge thing is just like, again, to be proud, like not many people understand and not many people are going to understand and that's okay. Um, but as long as you're like, truthful with yourself and truthful to the people that are around you and that's all you can do and if people yeah. don't want to be a part of your life then okay that's fine also that might hurt but you have to surround yourself with love people that support you and just remember that you know again you're living life and you're you're doing your thing but you're you have all of these added you know things that make life a little harder but you're doing it and you got to keep going and just remember like you're a strong person and i think that's just like those things like really help me kind of keep keep it moving um 
so yeah i hope that's helpful oh yeah incredibly helpful because you're right you know you said you know a lot of people can't get past that about how no one else has to go through it or no one can understand and i mean there was a time where i couldn't get past it i think you the same but you know it's how long are you going to stay in that they can't understand they're not hyperbolic right they're not like us they're not intense and that's why we can have really funny conversations like how many people out there are going to be laughing about the jack story and the titanic story you know all of the people who have bpd and that's what makes it okay that not everyone understands because we yeah. do and there are other people that do and you'll find them and you know you if you need to find groups of people who are intense or you know seek out a friend who you know will love your intensity love you for it that's going to be huge but we understand mm -hmm. and that should be enough Stop waiting for other yeah. people to understand because they won't because <laughs> they're not intense so huge huge piece of advice there for sure anything else that you wanted to share about your recovery journey or you know any other words of wisdom for folks um, I would just say, like, even at the toughest times, just remember this. This is something. I this is a little contradictory because I said I always used to be like it'll be fine, and like it wasn't. But once you, you know, know what you're dealing with, and you know that you have the support and you have the tools, it's okay to tell yourself it'll be fine because at the end of the day, it actually will be fine. Um, and as long as you're aware of what's happening and doing what you need to do to make it better and recognizing and acknowledging, it'll be fine. Moral of the story, it'll all be fine still. It'll all be fine. Yep, it always <laughs> is. Yep. It always is. Yeah. yeah. And we mean, when we say it'll be fine, we do mean that in an intense way. It'll be intensely fine. You'll yes. be okay. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes it won't be and you'll get through it. So if you can keep your head held high, just like Vasu is doing and I mean, did and you continue to do that because now, like you said, it's dating and I want to get married. And so that's a whole other we're leveling up in the recovery journey or just I'd say just life, just leveling yeah. up in life. Right. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you keep your head held high and you keep going and you know you're going to have bad days. Hey, everybody has bad days. It's part of life. Right. And you know, stay grateful and thankful. Are you going to spend Thanksgiving with your family? I sure am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Any favorite food? Um, green bean casseroles, the favorite side. My mashed potatoes. My mom was like, I'm making the mashed potatoes. I was like, no, you're not. So I have to go make sure she's not making the mashed potatoes right now. Um, and then French silk pie, which is like, is it people? Like, I get it. Like, people are like, what? What is French silk pie? Do you know what French what silk is pie is? French? No, I have no are idea you what you're talking about. I'm so serious. What is it? Tell it's us like and then a, we'll end the episode with a recipe. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> it's like a chocolate mousse kind of thing. It's really Ooh. like light and fluffy and then whipped cream and then like chocolate shavings. But from Tippins specifically. Shout out Tippins. Tippins French silk pie. You gotta try it. Is Tippins a recipe or a place? It's a place. I'm sure you can okay. find like knockoff versions, but if you can get the Tippins version, get the Tippins version. Okay, Tippin's French Silk Pie. You heard it here first today from Borderline to Beautiful. That's something to be grateful for. That's awesome. Well, we better not keep you because maybe mom will be making the mashed potatoes on the fly real quick. She probably is, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
yeah <laughs> go check and you know again thank you so much for the your contribution your artwork contribution to the podcast people really love it i love it i think now having your story it connects the two and thanks for coming on the show you're yeah, inspirational thank you. thank you for having me i appreciate it you're welcome yeah for sure all right all righty Thanks for listening. That was From Borderline the Beautiful, a production of Skeeter's Strength Mindset Coaching Systems. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at skeeterstrength.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast or any app you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from last episode, so let's hear them. I'd love to hear whatever questions you have too. Just download that Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. So, if you like this podcast, not only can you download that Anchor app, but you can help us get this message out to so many more people. Head over to Apple and offer us that five-star rating and let me know what you're thinking about some of our material. The more stars and higher rating we get, the more people will have access to From Borderline to Beautiful, hope and help for individuals with BPD.